In today's episode, Dutch Mendenhall, CEO of Rad Diversified, interviews Rad's elite acquisitions team from across the country. You will hear four unique takes on four of the country's hottest real estate markets. Good deal versus bad deal. Make it or break it. Everything from negotiations to renovations. You're going to want to listen to this entire episode. So strap in for another Rad podcast. What's up, everybody? We got our acquisitions team from around the country here. Uh, we got Robert, who leads our Florida Florida team. We got Dusty, our farm acquisitions and farming team. We got Frankie, who leads our Houston team, and Dory, who leads um, our entire residential real estate teams for the company. And so we're going to talk shop and discuss some of the things they got going on and some of the conversations. Dusty, why don't you kind of tell people what you got going on and where you're at in the world today? Right now, we just went under contract. We're in negotiations on our fourth Idaho piece of property. We're really focusing right now on economies of scale. So we're trying to get everything as close to the main uh, ranch that we bought a while ago, uh, trying to get everything as close together as we can, just for, again, for economies of scale. And we've increased our, basically our scope and what we're trying to find. Uh, currently in Utah, looking at some property that will allow us to run about somewhere between five and 10,000 acres worth of uh, hay production and some w more of the grains. With the world the way that it is right now, we want to focus a lot on, on a lot of our grains. They say that wheat's going to be the new sexy crop. So we're really focusing in on that, on property that will allow us to do that. We've got uh, basically Tennessee should be closing here in the next few days. And then we also have another property in Georgia under contract that we're uh, doing our due diligence on right right now making sure that it's a good fit so right now building out a team so that we can handle bringing the you know really getting to that next level of growth that we need to achieve a lot of exciting things are going on we're constantly researching the market and also trying to make sure that not only are we ahead of it but we're kind of the the priority so we're making uh, basically a lot of market relationships so we're the first call if something pops up on the market within certain areas uh, we've been the first call a couple times now. It's been kind of nice to be on the, uh, on the front end of the market so that we've done a good job with the relationships kind of growing there. So, With Tennessee, you close on that tomorrow. And how many acres is that? That's just under 1,400 on that particular property. Georgia was about 1,000. You know, we're rad diversified, so we're going to flip across the nation to, to Robert. And I know, Robert, you had a, a number of deals go under contract this last weekend, this last week. Just tell a little bit about the deals you put under contract, you know, how you found them, some simple things. We got a couple of deals, um, or actually four deals under contract last week. Two of them were kind of like on canals up in like the Hudson area. The other ones are in St. Pete. Smaller homes, nothing crazy. They're, you know, 12 to 1,500 square feet. But the price per square footed in St. Pete alone is, is pretty hefty. So those homes are actually pretty valuable. The Hudson one is pretty nice as well. And then uh, actually, I believe our property, the 64 acres in Lithia just closed. Um, so we're going to be starting that new construction. You know, that's going to be a fun process. That's going to be nice. Hey, Dory, that's a great view. Appreciate you sharing that with us. I'm going to flip back to Frankie in Houston, right? Frankie came on board with the company. You worked in Philadelphia for over a year plus, and now you made the big move to Houston. Talk, talk to us a little bit about what you got going on. Yeah, absolutely. Not only made a big move, but I'm currently making the big move right now. I'm uh, halfway Halfway across America, driving my way to Houston right now. In, in terms of Houston, right now, we have about 40,000 leads that we're looking to vet. We're working with uh, a wholesaler in Philadelphia that we know very well. 
uh, who has a great system and, and we're looking to pass some leads on to him so that he can help us vet some leads and just start get, getting the whole thing moving a bit. One of our acquisition agents, Josh, already got partnered on a deal. He, he partnered on a deal with Rad Diversified and one of our inner circle members down at a house in Galveston, which is a, a little bit further from Houston, but it's uh, the beach area down there. So it's really nice. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to get down there, start working with Josh, our other acquisition agents down there, Melissa, who's helping us with uh, some of our real estate agent uh, needs, finding my own house and uh, building out the market for Rad Diversified. Should be really exciting. I'm new chapter in my life, trying to take advantage of the opportunity that Rad Diversified has given me. Talk about the biggest deal you did this year. Biggest deal I've done this year was the 22 home deal, 22 home portfolio, all from one, one seller, you know, in, in, in one area in Philadelphia. You know, it, it really helped me figure out how to work larger deals and get those kind of, you know, million plus deal close, closed and through the finish line um, and, and what it does for the company. I mean, uh, we're, we're not only working with them for the 22, but they just sold us another 12 that we have under contract as well. Um, so that's really nice. And I'll never leave Philly. I mean, I'm still, I'm still running numbers for houses in Philly. Me and uh, one of the new acquisition agents in Philadelphia are working uh a 43 home deal right now that, you know, we're trying to get an offer out for. So, I mean, you know, it never stops. I'm still going to be getting offers in Philadelphia from people since I've made connections there and I'm just going to pass those on to the Philadelphia acquisition agents. Well, it's pretty amazing to think we go through these progressions with Rad Diversified, right? When I first started, I was obviously the first acquisitions, right? Agent for, for Rad Diversified. Back then, I think we were, you know, DHI Holdings, DDH you know, DDH fund. We had our first private equity fund and I was the one acquiring deals. I was the one going to auctions. I was the one buying them, those kind of things. Over the years, you know, our team has continued to grow, right? We don't even have, you know, anybody on here from our California market. And obviously all of these guys have people that are working for them in their individual markets, you know, acquiring deals that are full-time with the company. The second, you know, senior, you know, acquisition team member, you know, that I brought on, to the company was was my brother Dork, and he had you know very little to no you know background in, in real estate up into that point of his life. I mean, we had you know some generational stuff from our parents when we were kids, but but not a lot. Tell tell everybody kind of about the the, the team you lead, and the markets you run, and all of the different things. I think we've closed on close to forty million dollars in residential real estate in the last year, and I, I think that's pretty badass. And it might be more than that. I could be under underestimating. I probably am underestimating that. But, but go ahead, Dory. Yeah, we're continuing to progress, to grow, very accelerated growth. I mean, we're looking at currently, we probably have about 50 acquisitions under contract, including the land uh, farm acquisition that uh, Dusty is talking about, as well as putting other ones of those. Currently, that's pretty, you know, on a five, on a 45-day strain, that's kind of, uh, that's about what we have is about 50 contracts. We're working to accelerate getting more contracts done quickly, more quickly. So, you know, getting under that 30-day so then we'd have 50 under 30 days. And by the end of the year, you know, the goal is to have a hundred contract, a hundred contracts on a monthly basis, you know, and again, under, and then under a 30 day stream, you know, we lead market, I lead markets in, obviously you already heard about Tampa. You heard about Houston, uh, Dusty's up in Idaho. We're looking in Tennessee and Utah. We also have New Jersey, Pennsylvania, as well as continuing to develop other markets as well. So, you know, we have 12 to 15 full-time acquisition agents. You know, we have three, to five market leaders um, as we continue to grow, that'll grow as well. 10 full-time just working the real estate professionals out of my office, as well as literally probably 50 to 100 contractors working in the different markets. Again, a good chunk of those work exclusively for us, only work on our projects. And then, you know, we have some that we have in the rotation as, you know, 
we do those waves of, you know, where we have a little bit more working or there's a little bit of a slump then, or if they haven't proven themselves yet for us to bring them internally, because that's, you know, that's really the critical thing. We want to work with them first, make sure that we get along and we like their quality of work and, and obviously the prices that they're able to deliver to us. And when that's the case, then we, um, you know, we bring them on internally and, and make them part of the RAD team. So unwrapping, you know, what we're doing, you know, here as a company is fascinating to me because, you know, we, I always had a breakthrough years ago that every time I acquired a property, I was acquiring capital, right? And, and what I mean was if I bought a property for a hundred and it needed 50,000 in rehab and it was going to be worth 200,000, you know, I just made $50,000. So I was just like, I just acquired an extra $50,000 in capital by making that money. And that's just kind of how the mindset of what I had when I looked at it. And I always said, if I could get more leverage and put less than 50,000 down, I could almost double my money you know, on an average, you know, real estate acquisition. Does that happen? Yes, very rarely. But at the same time, be able to make, you know, 40 to 50% on a deal is very common for us. Return on our money is, is, is fairly, fairly easy for us at this point. I want to talk a little bit, before we start talking about finding deals, I want to talk a little bit about how we evaluate deals, how we decide a deal is a good deal versus, versus a bad deal. And I think, cause, cause we'll talk about different tools and different ways that you guys are finding deals because they're different for all of you, right? Every single one of you has different tools that you're utilizing to, to find deals, whether it's, you know, mass, mass advertising, bring in phone calls, or it's utilizing, you know, online resources or utilizing connections and, and wholesalers. And so, but let's talk a little bit about the difference between a good deal and a bad deal and, and, and how you're, you know, making those d- determinations. And let's start with you, Frankie. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Well, some of the things that I'll figure out, is there a reason they would want to sell to us? Because we're, we're investors and, and we're not going to pay top dollar or market value for your house. You know, we're always trying to find a deal. And that's, that's the whole point of our business and our company to make money. And, and you know, that's uh, what, what we live in. So, you know, a couple things, a couple reasons why they would want to sell to us. Is, is there, you know, what's the pain that they have? Is there a death in the family? Are there bills piling up? Uh, is the house in disarray and they can't take care of it? And there's plenty of reasons why someone would want to sell to us. So it's finding, you know, it, it's sifting through all of our leads, all of the dirt that we have, finding the couple pieces of gold, the pieces that, you know, would want to sell to us, and then, and then trying to find deals on those. It's not spending too much time on a deal that isn't a deal and wasting my time. It's, it's finding the pieces of gold and then, all right, now what can we do with these pieces of gold? Yeah, I think one of the, the smart things that Frankie said there, everybody can pull it out, is one of the things he talked about is the quantity, right? If when you look at a lot of deals, you can tell the difference between a good deal and a bad deal. And I think that's that's very, very smart because when you're only looking at a couple of deals, only looking at one, two, or three, you're like, I gotta do this deal. Like I hear people all the time, right? Because people come from that scarcity, you know, mindset in so much in the world. And as you look at a lot of deals, you don't get scarcity mindset. You don't get into the, you don't get afraid of the next deal mentality. Right. And I think it's one of the things I've coached, you know, my guys on from the beginning is like, Hey, just move on to the next deal. Right. Nobody cares if you don't do this deal. Nobody cares if we don't get this deal under contract. Nobody cares if this deal doesn't close, we move on to the next deal. And, and it's always the next deal mentality. And so you look at the quantity and then he says, you know, searching for gold, right? What you look for, you will find. And so as you're looking at a lot of deals and you're sorting through and you're, you're going through them, you, you start to have almost like a, a matrix kind of viewpoint of stuff where you can start to see things that other people can't see. Now, 
if you look at too many deals all at once, sometimes your eyes start to get blurry because you're looking at them, you know, like at midnight and, and you're trying to sort through, you know, different, different types of deals and stuff. But at the same time, that that's where you start to see things that other people can't see because you're looking at a large quantity of deals. And then you're able to start seeing the difference between good deals and bad deals. Robert, talk, talk about bad deal versus good deal. Bad deal versus good deal. Try to avoid in Florida is anything that's wood framing. I just try to avoid it. If it's not a block home or a slab or anything like that, just because the rains and the weather's so bad, it, it's going to be a nightmare. Um, good deals. Uh, now I'm starting to look for like in St. Pete. I was talking about earlier. Price per square foot is just three to four hundred dollars. Now I'm looking at, hey, can I add a hundred square or five hundred square feet or a thousand square feet or something along those lines? Windows play a good factor out here too. If I have to replace the windows, then that's that's a little bit harder than if, if I don't if I don't have to. But I mean, I just how long it takes for windows to be delivered. Uh, yes, on top of that, and then, you know, since a lot of the homes that we get are either on the water or near the water, you know, if you're X amount of feet from, you know, 5,000 feet up more of open water, then you got to have, you know, her weather-proof, hurricane-proof, and then once you start talking about that, then, you know, your, your glass starts to become an inch thick, and, you know, it's just, it's, it starts to get expensive, you know, and then it can make, it can literally make or break your deal. I mean, I don't worry about the electrical and plumbing, or because we, we take care of that stuff, but the, the windows plays the biggest factor for us as far as on um, stuff like that and then on top of that yes the you know the 12 to 16 weeks and then, then there's delays and then it's like 20 to 24 weeks and then you know then you're like all right well where's my order at <laughs> you know and then the deal is pretty much done but or you know fully rehab but it's just we're literally waiting on the windows and it's just it's a, it's a nightmare it, it's fascinating you know to hear the difference between frankie and, and robert right because when frankie started with us what, two, two and a half years ago, Frankie? Uh, I'm at a year and a half now, yep. Year and a half. So I say two and a half years. Time, time, is, time is slower than I thought. <laughs> Quick, yeah. So a year, year and a half, right? And Robert started with us how long ago? About six months ago, Robert? Eight months now or so. Eight, nine months. Okay. So when, when Frankie first started, you know, was probably dead middle of when COVID first hit, right? And all we were buying at that point was off-market, you know, undervalued deals that, that, you know, we were finding that, that gold in the middle of, of, of a mess. And then when Robert started, he, he got trained in that style, but he got to Florida and we started going deep into value-add real estate, right? How do you add square footage? Um, how do you find, you know, this, this rehab property and value-add real estate? And so, you know, two different kind of mindsets. It's fascinating to hear the, both of them talk about it differently. Let's go over to Dusty, right? Dusty, you know, the difference between Good deal and bad deal. I know you and I have looked, you know, at hundreds and hundreds of farms together, and that means you've looked at, you know, ten times that, you know, than what we've looked at together. So, talk a little bit about that. Well, I think we're all under the same understanding that we're trying to reduce our risk. And I think for me, one of the things I learned when I was quite a bit younger is my dad said something along the lines that the best deals are the deals you walk away from, because it gives you the education on what's going on in the area. And I didn't really fully understand it till. Probably here in the past few months where I'm looking at all these properties, I got a lot of our, our phenomenal investors are sending me constantly uh, properties that they see and they want us to look at. So I go and I vet them and make sure that they're applicable to what we're trying to achieve. And it's funny because the further I get into some of these, they seem like they're really good on paper. But when you dive into them and do a lot of research, you call the local. Uh, so one of the, th the tricks that I use is I call the local, um, sorry, something like the co-ops and places like that that have fertilizers and so on and so forth. I just call them up and say, hey, you know, I, I'm looking at this place over in your vicinity. What kind of, you know, what kind of crops can I grow? And I just pick their brain. And it's amazing how 
they want to be the man. So they tell me all the information that they, they have. And then I just realized that this particular piece of property may not be a good fit for us because we'd never make any money on it. And so I, it's just a little bit different because it's such a large quantity of, of land that sometimes you got to be really careful. You don't look at the property and say, oh, it's beautiful. It, ha- it looks like it's a place where I could, you know, basically spend all your time. But it's not about necessarily the property and how sexy, let's say, it looks. It's about what what is it really doing for our bottom line and how does it really play into what we're trying to accomplish. I like that. You know, not falling in love with the property, you know, is is really important. And I think, you know, all of us acquiring properties over the years have found properties that, you know, we fell in love with, right? Properties we liked more than the others, and suddenly. You know that 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 you know after repair value or just the value the the price of the property starts to climb up a little bit and the cost to fix the property starts to climb down a little bit and you know the cost of improvements and so it's always you know fascinating as you look at things. Dory, great story. Tell tell us about the property you fell the most in love with. Are you heading towards a specific property? No. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I can say too. Just you know, uh, um, you know, obviously we've done a lot of auctions as well. So you know, you, you get emotional. You get you know that adrenaline pumping at an auction, and you definitely can go way past uh, your max bid very quickly if you're not paying close attention. But I can tell you, there's a 1790s farmhouse that we're working on right now, and definitely just just became a little too enthralled with it. And, um, you know, and I mean, it's, it's a beautiful home. It's, you know, got a lot of great history and, but, you know, when you're working with 22 inch thick stone walls, it changes the dynamic of the rehab substantially. And then when the, you know, the city makes you pour a a two foot footer on top of your second floor, uh, rock wall, that way that everything's level and plumb and clean. Normally you put poor footers in the ground when you have to put it up 18 feet in the air, it gets very complicated, very, very fast and becomes a painful um, reminder of, hey, it doesn't matter how awesome the property is. It all comes down to numbers and what it's going to cost. This is a business at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, I've made that mistake more than once. And I, and I was just loving what I hear in the acquisition guys talk too, because they're just all talking about, you know, Robert's being talking about the pragma- pragmatics of, you know, getting the materials and, you know, uh, Frankie's talking about personality, the meeting with, you know, the individuals and meeting their needs and partnering with them to make a win-win situation. And and Dusty's talking about how, you know, we just dig deeper than, you know, anybody else that we know of or ever even seen, you know, to get the best information and we have the best information, you make the best deal. So it just uh, brings a, you know, warms my, my pee-picking little heart to hear everybody just talking about the different dynamics and all the different trainings and, and how they're implementing them, you know, across the board in all of our markets. So that was just awesome. It's fun to listen to, to our team go through you know, these pat- different paths and different avenues, you know, as they talk about it. And, and, and it's funny, I was thinking, you know, there's, there's one, you know, negotiation technique, and we'll get into more negotiating techniques all of the time, right? But there's one negotiating technique I think I've, I've hit, whether it's Dusty working on farms or it's Robert, you know, working on houses, right? And it's, it's with realtors, right? And, and realtors are always trying to get us to make another offer or a second offer, right? Against, you know, against ourselves and stuff. And so, you know, Robert, what do, what do I say, you know, with, you know, the current market and realtors trying to get you to, you know, up your offers and those kind of things. What do, what do I always say over and over? Make them counter. Yeah. How about you, Dusty? Same thing? Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. And it doesn't matter whether it's, a, you know, a $20 million farm that Dusty's negotiating or a, a $2 million house that, that Robert's negotiating or, or a $300,000 house that Robert's negotiating, right? Make them counter, right? Don't be the one um, and, and 
don't be the one negotiate. Don't ever negotiate against yourself. That's more of a strategy that I focus on with these guys when they're working on different deals. And it, it, people are always like, well, where do you find your deals or how do you find your deals and those kind of things. And I, I think, you know, we find our deals in all ways possible. Frankie, you know, talk to me about, you know, different ways you found deals over, over, over the last, you know, two years. You know, the, the start of it was obviously, you know, our lead generating service that we had during COVID. Um, Cause we used to do a lot of auctions. And when I got brought on auctions, weren't a thing anymore. So Rad Diversified switched their uh, their attack plan of attack to you know uh, lead generating service, which was doing really well when I got there. So we'll go and we'll bet those leads, like how I talked about earlier. And another way I'll find leads is while we're there comping out that lead, I'll say, well, we'll look for the for sales. And hey, if we're gonna buy this for this, why wouldn't we buy that for that? And that lead, one door opens up that door. That door leads to a real estate agent who has some other offers and, and just it's doors opening up doors. A lot of the times is how I, I'll find a lot of leads uh, scouring the MLS and then good relationships with wholesalers. Uh, you know, a couple good wholesalers could really open up some good doors for you. But uh, yeah, it starts with, you know, getting your feet out there and, and going and do it for sure. I love, I love these conversations and, you know, those of you that are watching the podcast, make sure you follow the podcast. Uh, make sure you, you know, like and, and get on our, our Facebook and subscribe our YouTube channel, right? Get down, get down into our links and do that kind of stuff. I'm also everybody who's on here, you know, we, we don't sell courses or, or books or tapes um, anymore. We used to do a lot of that actually sell, you know, millions and millions of dollars of books and tapes, but we went a long time ago. It's like, we're a real estate company. We make a lot of money in real estate. You know, why do we need to sell books and tapes? And you know, so we started giving our education and our training to people. So uh, we're going to put a link into what's called our matrix course that has, you know, a lot of the different things that the guys and the team are talking about, but, but broken down into, you know, systematic training and, and, and course material for all of you. So, you know, follow the podcast, you know, a lot of you are tribe members who are watching this already. We're, we're closing in, you know, on, a, on close to a million followers across our different channels. And, and so, you know, I'd like to hit that, that million mark. That'd be pretty cool because we're making a huge impact on people's lives. And I think it makes a big difference knowing that, you know, every day when you wake up, what's that motivation, right? It's not always easy to look at the next deal or know that you're going to talk to the next seller or, or go and get the next one. I mean, I, I, I love the shit out of this. So I don't have to have a lot of motivation to go get the next deal or look, look for the next deal, but let's talk a little bit about origin. And, and, you know, my brother Dory is, you know, one of my favorite stories, you know, he's been with us how many years now is it going on six years, Dory? Yep, yep, going right on six years, almost just over six years. Yep. Yeah, and and put that in perspective a little bit. I think you know I started my first business um, all in, all out, like 2006, 2007. You know, we're in 2022, so 15 years, right? So it took me about a decade to convince my brother to come work with me in business. Right, about a decade, yeah. And and I remember, you know, just like everybody, right, going to my family. You know, first time I was an entrepreneur, first time I was starting my whole business you know, trying to sell my brother, you know, on, on my dream, trying to sell his wife, you know, on my dream and, you know, being frustrated when they, they didn't immediately automatically buy into my dream, having no experience, um, having no background, having no history, right? Not that they didn't believe in me, but believing in, you know, what I was trying to create or trying to build, right? It wasn't, it wasn't that time that first time. So I think we've all been through that so talk a little bit, you know, about your journey, Dory, what you were doing before, before RAD, where you're at today. Sure. So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, before RAD, I, you know, I had 20 years restaurant management experience. Actually, uh, Dutch and I worked in some restaurants together and as teenagers in high school and 
and such. You know, pretty much the day I turned 18, they made me a manager. By the time, um, you know, I ended up, it, it, I came come on board with Dutch, you know, I, I was solidly, you know, I made six figures, you know, year in and year out and, and it was financially extremely stable. However, my oldest son was graduating high school and I looked at all the people I developed with Cracker Barrel and, you know, and how much time I spent with my family and it was, it was significantly out of balance. You add into that the fact that I was working, you know, 60 to 80 hours a week. I mean, honestly, 60 hours would have been a really, really short week for me. I've been celebrating, um, you know, and the fact that, you know, the one day off was almost always um, trying to be sucked into work. I mean, and so long hours, bad, unhealthy food around all the time. And, and I was, you know, it was killing me. And I, and I mean, it was killing me and I was neglecting my family. And, you know, we came to the realization that something had to change. And we looked at several different things. Um, and by far, you know, the, the pathway that we felt really led, led to, to go to was to work, to partner with Dutch and to work with my brother. And, you know, and he brought me on board, you know, initially I was living in El Paso at the time. Um, we moved to Houston, worked at Houston for a little while, got my feet wet, you know, got an, an understanding of what was going on. Saw the huge opportunity in Pennsylvania up in the Philadelphia market. And I don't think we were in Houston six months. Um, before we came up to Philly and then, you know, and then I've been in Philly ever since now. And, uh, you know, the Philadelphia market's our strongest market currently, <laughs> although I know that uh, the guys uh, that we're all training and developing, they're going to give me a run for uh, going to give the market a run for its money. So um, I'm looking to develop those other markets and uh, I'm super excited. I mean, I, I you know, I, uh, my heart goes out to my brother for allowing me to have this opportunity. And I'm just so thankful that you know, I'm able to contribute to in a positive manner to the, you know, the legacy that he's building. It just, you know, gets me, uh, gets me all warm and fuzzy. So thanks, bro. It's funny. Good things happen, you know, around Thanksgiving. And I remember I had let go. I just given up, right. For a couple of years, I just stopped, you know, pushing the conversation. I'd stopped pushing, you know, and I think when you're young and you, you start a business and you're, you're finally making a money, right. You kind of maybe have a little bit of a high and mighty mindset, right that, you know, your way is the only way and your way is a better way. And, 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 and though I know that my way was a better way, right? Um, it doesn't mean it's the only way. And, but I think I kind of got to a point where I had surrendered a little bit and wasn't pushing it. And then, you know, I think it was, you know, after, you know, Thanksgiving, I think we're all up late. We went to visit my brother and, and his seven kids, you know, and my wife and I don't, I don't think we had kids yet. It was just before we had kids, right? And we're up, it's probably getting close to midnight. And I remember Dory's wife, Molly says, 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 she says, so Dutch, tell me about this real estate thing you do again, right? And right there, I knew I had it. I knew, I knew they were mine, right? Um, at, at that point in time, I knew they were gonna come come join. And so we'll, we'll go from one Thanksgiving to, to another Thanksgiving, right? Frankie, uh, who's actually my wife's, wife's cousin, I think, you know, I probably hadn't seen him very much in probably six, seven years. I think he was a teenager. The last time I had seen him, but but 18 months ago, two years ago, there was a Thanksgiving where you know he came uh, over to we were visiting actually Dory in Philadelphia, which is where Frankie lived. Came over to visit us, and and what happened, Frankie? Just been coming off like probably the worst year of my life, you know, with COVID, and and I just broken my ankle about a year before that, and I couldn't walk, and and, and it was really tough times, uh, you know. After I got let off my my restaurant job because of COVID, and I couldn't walk, I just you know got on my feet and got a job at the grocery store. The local grocery store because I said, you know, I'm not living at home. That ain't happening. <laughs> I'm gonna be on my feet. I'm gonna be on my own. I can't. I can't go back. So I, I you know, I got a job at the grocery store. A week later, after COVID hit and shut down the whole city, um, and worked there for a year. And then 
you know, like you just said, you know, you guys came out to visit and I walked in to you guys, uh, Airbnb and he said, Hey Frankie, how you doing? What are you doing? And I was like, oh, I work at a grocery store. I hate my life. And I just saw your eyebrows raised and was like, well, maybe you should talk to my brother Dory when he gets here about, you know, some stuff. And, you know, I had already been looking into some, you know, investing uh, things uh, myself and I had already caught my interest. So, you know, Dory, Dory came, we had talked and uh, definitely seemed a little skeptical at, at first. Uh, but, you know, after a couple couple of days of riding with him, you know, pretty much I didn't have an interview. I got, I, Dory said, hey, get in the car. You're, you're working with me today. <laughs> yeah, you, the rest is history. You know, a year later, here we are. Talk a little bit, you know, what, what's changed for you financially as a person? Oh, dude, no, financially is just one aspect. My whole, everything about me has changed. My whole, my whole, how I interact with people, who, how I feel about myself as a human being, um, how I go about my day-to-day. -day. And then, you know, I mean, it definitely stems a lot from, from my financials, which has just been incredible. I mean, I went from, you know, making under 20K a year to not having to worry about how I'm going to eat that day, you know, just going from having, having to worry about if I'm going to be able to eat that day versus not having to is the craziest mind, 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 mind shift anymore. Any human being could have. It's been a long time since I, I had that, that mindset to have a refresh of, of that journey with us. Like, you know, Frankie was in that weird position that so many people graduate from college are in. Right. And obviously you don't need a you know degree to, to, to do what we do. Right. But they graduate college. What's fascinating, though, is they go through that journey, right? And they have this expectation when they hit their 20s of what life is going to be like, right? And lots of times life is very different than what they thought it was going to be, you know, as they were growing up or as they were going through school and those kind of things. And, and, and the game kind of changes on them and, and there's a suck that happens, right? And, and I think lots of times for people to make a change, you know, they're stuck in the middle of that suck and it has to get pretty painful, before they're at a point, you know, where, where they're ready, where they're ready, ready for that, ready for that change. You know, Robert, you know, I, I opened the door, you know, you know, for you, and obviously you walked through it. Talk a little bit about where you were and, and you know, your decision and what life is like. I was uh, living in Vegas at the time. Same thing as Frankie working at a grocery store. I was actually working two jobs, about 80 hours a week. And I hated it. Like, a, like, a, I mean, it's, it's like literally the same story. <laughs> and, um, it was it was in a situation where you're like, all right, what what bills am I not going to pay this week that I can afford to pay next week, or let's park the car in the garage and hide it for repo. To financially now, I don't even check my bank account anymore, <laughs> like because there's no need. So it's it's a huge difference. I mean, it's it's night and day. And then you know, just being able to spend time with my family now instead of literally going to work, coming home, sleeping for three four hours, and going back to work to you know work three or four hours and spending the rest of the day with them and you know then you know it's it's just it's amazing it's fascinating like how kids can get used to stuff right and they get used to daddy being gone or they get used to you know mom being gone or they get used to people working hard in different things and, and then you get to a point right where you know you're at being able to be home able to spend more time with your kids and like they start to question like well why you got to work right now or, or why can't you spend time with me right now versus just you know, in acceptance because they're used to you being more present, used to you having more time with them, which which is which is pretty cool. Um, Dusty, Dusty, how, how about you? I'm kind of in the situation where I, I well, you were a little about. different. You were pursuing me, right? You were like, Dutch, you got to come invest in Boise. You got to come invest 
you know, you got to come look up here and those kind of things. So it is a little, you know, it was a little bit, a little bit different. Yeah. I think that the, the, I kind of feel like I've lived through everything that everybody else has said, right? My situation was probably a little closer to Dory's, but when I, when I was talking to you and I first came on board, I, I wasn't in a situation where I was hurting financially by any means. I, I left a six figure job, but the, the thing that I was missing was probably living more and doing the things that I wanted to do. So the farming and, and the ranching aspect is something that I've always enjoyed and always been a part of. And and it was always doing it for somebody else. I mean, I had my own stuff too, but it was just such a, a lot smaller scale. And so for me, it was to be able to live a dream. That's really what made the difference for me. And, and it took me a little bit of time to come on board. But again, it's because of trying to figure out how to do it and when to do it, right? It was always going to happen in just a matter of when. And so I remember the days that, that of living with, you know, I've got six kids, almost caught up to, to Dory. But um, I remember the days living like Frankie and, and Robert Bull. And things just got to a point where I was doing a little bit better. It opened, you know, when the door opened and you and I were talking about different markets and, you know, right in the middle of COVID, it really changed the way I started to see things. And the goal for me is to get to a point where uh, I can spend more time with the family because I, I don't, I don't get that, you know, right now with the starting up on the ranch and the farm part of it, we'll work pretty long hours too, but, but it's all for the company and trying to get to a point where we're all comfortable and we are so close to that. It's, it's. I mean, we are doing so good right now with, with our acquisitions that it's going to be an exciting, you know, the rest of this year and then into the next is going to be phenomenal. It's going to be a lot of fun. So really that's kind of how I came from is just, you know, you and I had a discussion and, and we just slowly started to make it happen. There's a, a cycle called the dream giver cycle, right? And if, if you guys download the link or follow the podcast, we have that in the home study course. And if you look at the afternoon of the first day, we do about a 40 minute talk where we go through the dream giver cycle and, you know, people are in life got to get to a point where they decide to be uncomfortable, right. Um, in order to change or impact or make a, make a difference in their life. And, you know, Frankie and Robert, you know, were uncomfortable because they were forced to be uncomfortable. Right. And, you know, Dory was, un, was, was uncomfortable, but, but he accepted through, he had gotten to a point where he made good money and, 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 and so he was in a very different place than them. And so he went, from comfort to uncomfort and then back into a state of comfort, right? And and once you leave comfort, you go into what's called a wasteland, right? And that wasteland is where you don't really know, you know, the difference between doing A versus doing B, who to listen to, who not to listen to, what to do on the journey, what not to do on the journey. And you're searching, but you don't have clear vision because your eyes are very clouded, you know, and there's there's so much noise and so much information, but then you're also in the pain of 80 hours a week doing something you don't love, you don't like, right? And 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 so there's a jadedness to to you when you're in the wasteland, right? And lots of times you go from the wasteland, you go back into what we call sanctuary, right? And and it's when you finally hit a better place. And that's where I think Dory was at where he's making six figures, where Dusty was at where he's making six figures, right? And Robert knew what that was like because earlier in his life, he had run his own business and, and been an entrepreneur and had, had, made, had made money. And so he knew even more so than Frankie how much the wasteland sucked, right? And because he had been to, to, to a better place financially before in his life. And so, but the sanctuary is the hardest place to get out of because it's, it's kind of like you're okay, right? You're not desperate. You're not being forced. You're not being pushed. You're making money. You know, it's not the dream destination. You know, it's not exactly where you want to be, 
but you are stuck in that sanctuary because it's a good place and because you know you have security you know for your family because you have you know some good things and those kind of things and so lots of times i think it's even easier you know to 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 get out of you know that first comfort zone than it is to get out of the sanctuary when you're making pretty good money and working on going going to the next level it's fascinating and once you're in that that sanctuary usually we kind of say it's it's facing the giants right and and what the giants are are the people who've reached a higher pedestal right a, a, a level right that you want to get to you want to accomplish right and and lots of people in life you know struggle with understanding you know what those giants are and that giant might be knowledge right that giant might be uh, a mentor or a person that giant might be you know giving up something you know you know in your life that you know you need to get up to to hit you know another another level crazy because so many people don't know how to interact or face their giants. And so they want to fight the giant. They want to not listen to the giant. They want to rebel against th that giant, right? And, and you know, the challenge is, is you have to learn to make that giant work for you. And, and, and that's a process, you know, whether it's a mindset that you got to shift or a person you need to listen to, or it's something you need to give up um, and leave behind in your life. You have to learn to make that work for you, right? And, and there's a surrender in that that is very difficult for a lot of people because i always say you know the greatest form of, of leadership is servant leadership right and the greatest form of leadership is is doing for others right and and leading them and so you know in that part of that giants to get to that that promised land is, is a journey and so it, follow the podcast you know become a become a subscriber because if you click that that link you'll get access you know to that full training on on the dream giver cycle along with you know tons of amazing other information. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, one decision by each of you, right? Dramatically changed your life when it came to, you know, working with Rad, working with me, talking about stepping through that, that door, right? I always said, I'll open doors for people, I'll open doors and, and, and see if they walk through. And I, I'm going to say this, you know, you're four incredible guys that, that have walked through that door, but I've opened that door a thousand right? Or walk through that door. But for every one of you, you know, that walked through that door and, and not only have changed your life financially, but changed your life completely, there's, there's hundreds that, that, that don't or don't see it or don't understand, right? And, and so, and I'm not talking about, you know, people who, who take the education or people that invest, you know, with the read. I'm just talking about people, you know, just working with us, just that one aspect of it. You know, I open that door constantly. Talk about opening, you know, that decision to walk through the door and kind of help people with that critical decision because it, it's hard for a lot of people and they'll, they'll spend more time thinking about making the decision um, than just walking through the door. Um, why don't you start, Frankie? Yeah, sure. It was easy. It was easy for, probably for me and Rob to both walk through that door, I feel like. Maybe not Rob as much because he has a family, but for me, I mean, I had no ties. I had, I had nothing holding me back. I was in a very low point in my life, so I mean, it was, it was pretty easy for me to be able to jump through that door and see, all right, what's behind this door? And now now that I get to see what's behind the door, you know, I didn't have much risk behind. So I, now, so now that I'm enjoying what's behind the door, it's like, all right, cool, where's the next door? Where, and I kept going from there. Um, the way I've, I, I brought on probably three or four of my very good friends at this point. And the way, I, and those, all my friends have come from, for the most part, um, pretty good positions. In life as well and, and the way i describe it to them is is it's a speeding train and and you could wait to grab onto it 
but the longer you wait to grab onto the speeding train that's speeding by you, the further down the train you are. Um, and and I, so, you know, once I saw the speeding train going by me, I'm going to grab on and, and I can always jump off if I need to, and I'll be a little further down the road. But I mean, if, it, if, if I like where the train's going, I'll be much happier. I grabbed on the train earlier rather than later. I know. I don't know how many times, I don't know. I mean, I know you hear some of this stuff a lot for me, but, um, you know, for me, you know, it was really critical that, you know, I was coming from a very successful position. I wanted to, I could not come on board with my brother's company and not be successful. And, you know, I met with some financial planning advisors, some guys who did wealth management, specifically managed real estate and wealth management. I knew from, you know, my wife's circle of friends at our church that we went to was a very wealthy church. And, and I went and I studied and I investigated and I had meetings with them and I came on board with a plan, you know, and, and aggressively went after that plan because I wasn't going to be a part of my brother's company unless I could make a big impact. And so, so the decision, you know, I was a very studied one, you know, and, and, and obviously I had to make a change and, you know, but at the same time, when I made that, when I, you know, the decision was made based on, you know, the pain, right. My pain wasn't wealth. My pain was quality of life, um, time with family. When, when I came on board, I hadn't had a Thanksgiving off in over 17 years. And most of those Thanksgivings, I worked probably over 15 hours. Um, so I had pain. It was just a different type of pain. But, but, but at the same time, you know, it was a very measured, thought, thoughtful decision to, to have a plan in place. Now, granted, <laughs> I, I finished inventory on my last restaurant, and then the next, the next uh, about 2 in the morning, and then I had a flight at about 6 a.m., and I met you on, in Houston as we were driving properties for an auction trip, and I Ubered to the next property on your guys' list. And I was standing outside that property and I just hopped in the van and we got rolling. <laughs> but, but, at the, but, you know, um, but you know how it is with plans. As soon as the plan got started, it, it changed, you know, and it changed several times within the first six months. And then, you know, I ended up in Philly and, you know, and you, you know, you know, I worked with you and you helped me continue to see the opportunities and to, and to be able to grab them. So um, it was a, you know, a fantastic partnership and, and uh, you know, working with you, I'd expect nothing less. I remember there was a zing I hit Dory with that I obviously believe people, you know, make sometimes make decisions from, from pain points, right? All day long, you can talk about how great something's going to be, but lots of times people don't do things unless, unless you know, they're weighing A and B, and A is a lot more painful than B, and B is a lot more pleasurable when they decide to go with B, right? One of the things I said to Dory, and he had talked about, you know, his relationship with his oldest two sons, what it had been, you know, after working 17, you know, straight Thanksgivings, and I said, you know, the reality is for your for your children, being present, you know, as a father, I think is really important, but them seeing you walk the walk, right? Them seeing you live, you know, a, a life of, 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 of passion or life you can enjoy means everything, right? If, if, if your kids see you work 80 hours a week and they see you wear out and they see you grind and they see you tired, that, that, that can be okay. If they, but if they see you angry or they see you frustrated, they see you not enjoying life, that's not okay. And, and if, if they see that, that's what they'll become. And if they see you put that grind in and they see that miserableness, right, that's, that's lots of times what they become because that's the example we set. And I said, what, you know, what example are you setting by working to a place? Because uh, as well, you know, Dory at 40, you're 46, 47, 46, right? And you look a lot healthier at 46 than you did at 40. And, and, and I think that makes, you know, a big difference on, on lifestyle choice. It's also an example you know, to, to your children and, and, and to your kids and stuff make, makes, 
makes a huge difference because you're, you're walking you're walking that life dusty you know and i remember you know coming to coming to visit you when i was looking at those first farms right and i remember you know your family coming to check out you know the california spectacle um and and and, and trying to figure out why is dusty talking to this this guy who's coming up here to look at real estate and and everything granted we were, you and i were already friends but obviously you know everybody else wasn't you know privy to that that relationship a whole lot so talk a little bit about that that for you well i don't know that's just your insecurity i don't think they were out there to check out the crazy crazy californian but i think they were more interested in figuring out i had obviously talked to you quite quite extensively on some opportunities and what to do to to grow and to get to the next level right kind of that level up it's always that desire to be better and to grow and kind of like you said show the kids, you know, give them that ability to step into that world or at least see their dad not only work all the time, but have it pay off, right? Our family philosophy, and I don't do as good of a job as I need to, and I'm I'm working on that right now, is we play hard, but only after we work hard. So we work hard first so that we can play even harder. Um, And so I was trying to figure out how that could be. I mean, I've got six kids. It's expensive. Everybody knows what that's like. I was trying to get to that next level. And so I was talking to my parents and my brother and so on and so forth about some opportunities that you and I had been discussing. And they're like, they just, it's a different world for them. And so, and even for me at that point. And so it was a matter of getting you in there and they wanted to meet you and kind of see what's going on to get a better feel for what the potentials were. That's really what that came down to. And, but for me, you know, if you don't mind me backing you up, one of the things you said at the very beginning here of this particular topic, you're talking about, you'll open the door for people. When you and I first started our relationship buying farmland, we were also looking at other opportunities. And that's really where our relationships relationship started on the survival start, uh, side of things. And I remember uh, talking to you about one of our, one of the sellers of the ranches that we had, I went and talked to him and he's like, Oh, I run nine ranches. And he had all this paperwork and was telling me how he loved doing it. And I was like, man, that's, that's really actually my dream. It started to become identified um, what I really wanted to do. And I remember telling you about it. And then now I was probably four or five months later, I was kind of focusing more on the survivals project stuff. And then you started to change my role. And I was, at first, I wasn't sure how to take that. Like what the, everything kept changing on me. And then one day I was sitting there and I wasn't, I had to make a decision. What do I really want from this? And I realized that what you had done is you took me telling you, Hey, I want, this is my goal. This is my dream. And I didn't realize it at first, but it took me a minute to realize that you were saying, well, let's change your role. And you did, you changed my role. And then you started to put me in and into what I wanted. And it, did, it took me a minute to realize that. And so one of the things when you're talking about opening the door for people, um, not only do you open the door, but you also try to, to figure out how to incorporate people's, you know, whatever it is, whatever they love, you try to incorporate that into their work. And so um, another thing that I brought up to you is we were talking about maybe pursuing you know, opening a butcher shop. Something that I've always kind of enjoyed is processing my own meat for different reasons and and the cleanliness of it and so on and so forth. And you said, well, let's go do that too. So I, I just wanted not, not to digress too far from what you were trying to go on to, but that was kind of an important thing I thought that a lot of people should hear um, about Rad Diversified and the growth of what we're doing is we're trying to put people in positions of success because they love what they do. And so for me to, to, to get to where I'm at right now, it was a little bit of a challenge, you know, just from what do I really want to do in my life and, and opening that door? But really at this point, it's, it's easy. You had a really good job, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. And, yeah. And, great company. Good job. Yep. And, and, and so that, you know, it's always, always challenging to walk away from, right? I think there would, had to be, you know, more and more proof of concept, you know, for you in that situation. And so 
you know, we, you know, bought that first farm and, and you started to, to dabble and then we bought the second farm. Right. And, and I think, you know, for you, I think proof of concept, you know, and, and reality, really being able to see both the financial, right. But being able to see more than just the financial, being able to see the long-term plan, right. was important for you not seeing like, Hey, okay, we're going to buy some farms or, Hey, we're just going to do this. But then, you know, what's two years, three years, five years, 10 years down the road look like in, yeah. in, in are you leaving, you know, a great career in order to, you know, for a short window? And, and it's one of the things, you know, as I, I, you know, teach some of my acquisition guys, you know, when you're first making really good money, it's very easy to go spend really good money, right? Now, I never mind my acquisition guys spending real good money because then they have to go do more deals and, and make and make more money. Um, but, but I always say, you know, live, choose, choose a level, right? Choose a level that you're going to live at. And, and then, and then the money you make beyond that, right. You start putting away to start having that make you money. Just to, to follow up on it too. I guess if anybody is listening in and trying to figure out what to do with their life and where to go, leaving, leaving a really good paying job with a great company, treating me really well, had a really good boss. Everything was perfect. It's, I mean, it's, I've been working to that position my whole entire life, but then as I started to get to figuring out what I really wanted long, long, long-term, it just quite wasn't meeting the bill. And so for me, it was just a matter of sitting down and coming up with a plan, like you said, and saying, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm going to get. And I'm not going to let anybody stop me. And then you start surrounding yourself with like-minded people. And so one of the things about Amy and Dutch that I've realized, and I mean, I think there's several other people within the company that are like this, and I'm starting to realize that more of them are. Everybody has this long-term goal of becoming something more. And so surrounding yourself with people that have a vision that can get, you know, that, that just keep knocking down barrier after barrier. That's the beauty of Rad Diversified, in my opinion, is all these barriers that you're fighting in life. It's nice to be able to break them down with other people that are doing the same exact thing. I mean, the whole conversation we've had has been about each one of us breaking a barrier and then getting to the next level. And then there's, there's another barrier. And just having that mentality of barrier breaking, right? Just getting through it and figuring out what your goals are and then go chase them, go make them happen. Everybody has the same opportunities um, to some extent, right? They, they all have the same ability to, to make a decision and then go to tackle that next barrier and keep on throwing. So, you know, Dory, you know, I know that Molly was on board with you, right? With the journey and the travel and the different things. And you guys had to discuss, you know, making moves and decisions. And I know God plays, you know, a real important part of your decision making. And I know that prayer, prayer does as well. And so, you know, talk a little bit about that, that journey from El Paso to Houston to Philly and, and, you know, now to, you know, really you're, you know, outside of, you're in a, you know, can't think of the name of the city right now, but you're in a suburb, right? And you do a lot more work, you know, outside of Philly and, and, and Jersey, but talk a little bit about that, that journey and some of that decision-making. Yeah, totally killed my, my momentum already. So no, but anyways, the, uh, I already talked to kind of about the strategic thinking, but yeah, spiritually, it was one of my wife's greatest um, security factors is financial security and, and mine as well. And so this was a huge key thing. We had to pray about it that, you know, I mean, we looked at just all kinds of budgeting and stuff like that. And so I wouldn't say she was a resistor. She was all on board for change. But, you know, having, you know, worked with you and had these discussions, you know, in the planning phase, I was like, this is going to be a lot harder than what you think it's going to be. And when we came into Houston, you know, and the, in, you know, and we were in Houston for a little while and, and me being me, you know, my wife, so I'm, I'm go big or go home. <laughs> and um, we had a team already there. 
you know, they were doing well, you know, they were continuing to move the ball forward, but, you know, I wanted to shoot for the end zone. The ability to shoot for the end zone was in Philadelphia at the time. You know, we moved from El Paso to Houston and Houston to, to Philadelphia all in less than a year with seven kids, most of them in the grade school age. It was really, really tough, but at the same time, you know, we were chasing a vision. We were chasing what we could do and what we were capable of. And, you know, the big surprise was when, like you, and you've said this many, many times, but I'll mention on this podcast is when we got to Philly and we had a few properties that weren't getting, you know, that weren't getting leased as quickly as we wanted to a couple leasing agents. And Molly was like, man, these guys are not moving fast enough. And uh, my wife is, uh, is, she's not as patient as some people would say. So, uh, so yeah, she got three properties leased in the first month and we had leasing agents that hadn't got them done in, you know, in two, three months. And, and, you know, kind of the same thing with the property management, she, you know, just seeing the opportunities and just seizing those opportunities and just going all at them, you know, just sending everything we have at them and all of our human capital and resources. But at the same time, you know, but sometimes we would do that at nine o'clock at night after the kids went to bed and, and then we would be, you know, at their play, you know, after school from three to five. And so, you know, getting up in the morning and, and then hitting it and then, you know, taking a break when they come home and then getting after it and, and you know, and, and sometimes, you know, you know, processing properties until midnight, trying to figure out what the best, you know, the best way forward was. And so that's like kind of, you know, work hard, get after it, but live fully at, at life with the family and live fully at life with the work as well. So I, I look at, you know, the journey that you were on and, and granted Molly, you know, being all, all on board, you know, with Dory is, is, is amazing. I just wanted to hear Robert, you know, that mindset, you know, when you walk through the door and, you know, what people thought or your decisions, you know, why did you attack it so strong? Why did you bite down and, and, and go for it? You know, that mentality. Um, tell us a little bit about that. All right. Robert's cut from the team. He's no longer a part of acquisitions. Can you guys hear me? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying to get service. I'm over here walking around trying to, you know, so what you're asking right is why why did i come out here and attack it so strong correct yeah and just kind of the conversation you know with, with family i know that like you know i know you you made your decision right and, and you make it to make your decision because that's kind of how you do things and you're going to go full force into it the conversations with family and and the decision but you know just attacking it full force so pretty much, yeah, when I when I came out here to Florida, you know, I came out here without my family for what, six months or so. Um, so that was a little hard. But, uh, you know, I mean, I grew up playing sports and whatnot. So like after going to Philly and meeting Frankie and Chad, I'm like, man, if these guys could do it, I know I could do it better than them. So that had a, that had a little part to do with it. But I enjoy doing it. I mean, it's it's fun. You know, I mean, and, when, you know, when I say, uh, you know, three, four hours of work a day. That, that, that's that's like leaving the house. I mean, it's like an all-day process. So it's, it's, you know, it's still, you're still working those 60 or 80 hours, but it's a different type of hours being worked, you know? Like, you're, you're being able to be home and do, you know, your computer stuff or do the phone calls and et cetera and stuff like that. But I'm just very competitive. I mean, that's, that's come to it. I mean, I just I just know I could be good at something like this, and, you know, I enjoy doing it. So why pass up a good opportunity? It's fascinating because, I you know, I think Frankie and Robert have a great, you know, competitive camaraderie right that goes on but you know frankie what was your biggest deal you closed this year again uh yeah 22 homes 22 working on more oh and, uh, and i was gonna say robert i was gonna say robert uh yeah i i did the same thing when i decided to run the market in houston i said man if robert can run that Tampa market i could run a houston market yeah <laughs> good luck <laughs> I think, you know, we're, we're about at a close, right? 
wrap. I think what you guys shared today is going to make an impact on some people, going to make a difference on some people. So thank you. I know you're in the middle of a move. Robert, you're out there in the middle of deals. You know, Dusty, you're in the middle of, you know, Utah, you know, looking, looking, you know, at a huge, huge ranch operation for a story. I know you were on the move, you know, and so I, I appreciate you guys taking the time, you know, out of, out, of, out of your, you know, busy schedules to do something different, right? And and I think, you know, balance is, is key and, 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 you know, Robert's 80 hours a week, hopefully we'll slow that down a little bit, but that's his own competitiveness because he definitely, you know, wants the Tampa market to do more deals than the Houston market. And so, you know, any parting thoughts, any, anything else, you know, you want to share, you know, 30 seconds or less, you know, with everybody, I'll let you start, Dusty. Hey, I could talk for hours, so I'm going to take the, the different approach this time. Everything's great. Thanks for the opportunity. Dream big and go after it. That's what, that's what we've talked about already. So, I love it. I love it. Align your dream with your alignment with people, and, and it's pretty amazing things that, things that, that, that happen. Frankie? Ready to build something in Houston, man. Excited to get going on it, and uh, thank you. Yep. You're welcome. Go ahead, Robert. <laughs> uh, not not a whole lot. Uh, not just the not just the Houston market though. We're coming from Philly as well. <laughs> but uh, that's it. <laughs> cool. Well, guys, you know, there's, there's there's another market too, or California team, which which isn't on which, which isn't on here, you know, today. But I think you know, be be, be aware, Phil and Phil and Johnny and Laura are going to be coming on real strong too. But I think it's cool. You know, I think it's healthy camaraderie, healthy competition. But you know. We're all in this, you know, journey together. I think, you know, that's a part of the the rad journey, right? We see our investors as a part of the team. We see our, you know, tribe members as a part of the team, and you know, we love to 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 get a small part of the rad team on here to be able to share with all of you. And uh, God bless. We'll talk to you all soon. That was Dutch Mendenhall and the Rad Diversified Acquisitions Team. Thank you for listening to the Rad Podcast. Explore wealth. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out at podcast at raddiversified.com. If you like what you're listening to, leave us a review and don't forget to like, follow, share the Rad Podcast.